Welcome back, friends, and thanks for joining us on Belief Beat. This is a podcast out of Unity Lutheran Church in Brookfield, Wisconsin, where we talk about things that matter with people that matter. We are, at the moment, in part two of a three-week series that we are calling Memory Lane. It's cool. It's a collection of stories from some of our older members, um, specifically John Purnell, Vina Townsend, and Marilyn Coplin, who are 78, 83, and 87 years old, respectively. And last week we heard about their childhoods, uh, some of their favorite toys, birthday traditions, some very hilarious misadventures in search of fun, um, as well as some reflections on the war years and polio vaccines. And um, you can go back an episode and check that out if you missed it. This week, in this episode, we're going to move into the teenage and marriage years and the trouble that they did or did not get into. So we'll start with John um, and the as-advertised story of the honeymoon that went so unbelievably disastrously off course. Uh, But actually what was interesting to me in listening to all of their stories was how few things in their lives, all three of their lives, actually went according to plan. As you listen, you'll also hear John's wife, Barb, who jumped in for the second half of his interview. And honeymoon aside... When John met Barb, she was not interested in him at all. She was seeing someone else. And if it hadn't been for John's persistence and even more importantly, the interference of Barb's mother, these two might never have ended up together. And yet here they are, it's 58 years later. And I was talking with John from the hallway outside of Barb's assisted living room, where John now goes every day to be with her and... Sometimes that's what love looks like, hey? But anyways, I'll stop talking, and I will let you hear about it in their own words. Just wait till you hear about their first attempt at a date. This totally cracked me up. But first, here's John remembering the very first time he laid eyes on his future bride. I was standing in her living room because I went to see my brother, and he said, if you get there before we're home, go next door by Mrs. Nagel. That was Barbara's maiden name. And uh, if it's bad weather, you can stay in there. So I went over there and introduced myself. She said, oh, come on in. And I went in and she came home. Oh my goodness. And so you guys were 20 Uh, at this point? No, yes, 20. 20? Yeah. What was your first impression of Barb? Um... Well, she was all dressed up. She worked at a bank. Mm-hmm. First Wisconsin Trust Company. And uh, I thought, hmm, it's a nice-looking girl. <laughs> I love it. Nice-looking girl. Yeah. Did you ask her out right that day? Um, no. Um, but the next day. Not only was Barb not interested... She was actually seeing someone else at the time. My mom really liked John a lot. And did you need some convincing? At first I did. Yeah. I was going out with a fellow and I had liked pretty much. Mm-hmm. But look who won. John, you beat out another fellow? Yeah, he was in Korea. <laughs> he was what? He was so, in Korea, wasn't he? Yeah, he went over there. But you know how moms can be. Here's what John said. And her mother kept inviting me over for dinner. Yeah. Um, As mothers do. And 
she overfed me. <laughs> when we, the time before, um, from when I got out of the army to when we got married, she put a lot of weight on me. <laughs> <laughs> she a good cook? She was. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. She made the best chicken pot pies I ever mm. had. Yum. Yeah. Yum. She made, everything she made was very good. All homemade bread. Yeah. We didn't get bread like that in the Army. John and I had been talking in the hallway while a nurse worked with Barb. And uh, at this point, they let us back into her room. And so she joined us for the rest of the conversation. We started by filling her in on what we'd been talking about. And then the two of them together told me about their first failed date. John was just telling me stories about when you two met. He said that you came in and you had been working at the bank. Mm -hmm. And so you were all dressed up. And he was waiting for his brother and he thought, oh, that's a nice looking woman. Oh, he said that? Yeah, he did. My I'm supposed to tell her that. <laughs> That's a compliment. It's growing. <laughs> so what did you guys do for your first date? Because you asked her out the next day, right? Actually, I think our first date um, was supposed to be our first date. I was supposed to pick her up from bowling underneath Sherman Park Lutheran Church. But I didn't know it was underneath the church, <laughs> and I went to pick her up, and I saw I found the church, and I asked people, "Where's your bowling?" Nobody knew there was bowling down there. Oh my goodness! So I waited around there and for an hour or so, and nobody's coming out, and it got dark, and <laughs> so I went home. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Your first date, you couldn't even find each other? I couldn't find her. She knew where she was. Oh, my that? goodness. Yeah. yeah. And you were bowling. Yeah. But after that, her mother kind of made the dates for us. I had to pick her up to YMCA downtown. She was bowling down there. And that was a kind of a weekly thing. And where would you go after bowling? Get a pizza or something. Pizza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he never talked much. Really? Well, Isla would come along with us, her friend Isla. Yeah. yeah. We had good times. Yeah. Well, was we, that normal? Were you like supposed to have Isla as a chaperone or was no, you were just good friends? No, she was bowling with us. Okay. We bowled for the trust, uh, trust company. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was on, I went to high school with her and we worked together. So we'd all just kind of carpool together. And so then, but John came along and he'd follow wherever, all of a sudden we're there in space. Now I'll just pause for a moment for an aside. One of the things that struck me at many points in John and Barb's story, including this one, is how differently this all would have gone down with cell phones. John ends up at Barb's mom's house because he's coming in from out of town to meet his brother. And there's no way to set a time or a rendezvous plan. So the plan is, if I'm not there, go next door and hang out with the neighbors till I get back. Not to mention trying to find each other on their first date. So how differently it shapes our social fabric just being able to reach each other at any point. I am still pondering the ways that this changes us and our lifestyle and our relationships for better and maybe for worse. But back to John and Barb. 
Here is the story of their wedding and disastrous honeymoon. What was your wedding like? Oh, it was so, it was so nice, Miriam. Yeah? Have you ever been in Emmaus? No, where is it? 23rd and Hadley. Okay. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous church. At, at that time, Emmaus was the largest Lutheran congregation in Milwaukee, I think. Wow. It was. Yeah, a pretty big church. Mm-hmm. They had a nice school there. Emmaus. Yeah. My mom and dad were very, very active, you know. Mm-hmm. So consequently, I was too. Yeah. But uh, we had a pretty wedding. What was your dress like? You know what, Muriel? I was telling John. My wedding dress looks like the girls who wear it today. It's exactly the same thing. In fact, it's down by the washer. Did you see that box? Yeah. You still have it. That's my wedding dress. Yeah, she still has it. Wow. We haven't looked at it. That's when I was skinny. Yeah. Well, I weighed 122 pounds. Whoa, you were teeny tiny. I was little. Yeah. But, uh. It was we got married in the afternoon, and then we went for a ride down Wisconsin Avenue, you know, that's the big thing. In a car, or in? In a car, yeah. A car. In a car. And then, what did we go out? Then we went for dinner at the Bavarian Inn. That's where we had our reception. The Bavarian. The the old Bavarian Inn. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a house. A, a big duplex that was converted to the Bavarian Club. Cool. And in the basement was our wedding. They were working on the new one that's that's now uh, where the soccer fields are. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did didn't get done in time. My goodness. So, so then we Sunday we opened gifts. That was very open gifts. And Monday we left. Right. Did you, you did a honeymoon? Sunday we left. Well, it was after, right after the reception by mom and dad. Yeah. And then we drove as far as Mon- Madison, right? Madison, yeah. And the next day we had a bad accident. No, no. The next day we went to Cave of the Mountain. That's right. And then we spent the night in Iowa. That's right. I forget the name of that town. I could find it for you on the map, though. Just a little uh, blink town. Mm-hmm. And then did you get in an accident on your honeymoon? The next day. Yeah. Car um, accident? Yeah, mm-hmm. that was uh, near, it was about 10 miles west of Myrtle, South Dakota. You know oh. where Myrtle's at? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where the, there's a car museum there. Right. And that's about all that's there in a restaurant, in a motel, one motel. Yeah. And what happened? A woman pulled out in front of us. We're going 60 miles an hour. And yeah. She just, she, she, she just was, wasn't looking. She wasn't even looking. Well, she was stopped at her driveway. And all of a oh. sudden, she just came out in front of us. She didn't have her glasses on. She was supposed to be wearing glasses. Oh. And all I remember baby, seeing was her, her little girl was sitting on the passenger front seat. Oh, my goodness. And nobody wore seatbelts then. Right. And my um, heart was just... So I just, tur- I turned the wheel and the driver's side of our car hit, we would have broadsided her, and that little girl would have been dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. But our car hit her car just in front of that front door. 
Oh yeah. my goodness. You, was she okay? We Sounds like you saved your life. Big ditches out there. Yeah. We went down the hill in the ditch. I was all black and blue from my waist up. All the, you know, brand new bride. And yeah. all that. And, um, was the baby okay? She was fine. She, the you saved her. Let her out of the car walking around. There's broken glass all over. And, and she goes, what happened? Yeah, I picked her up and I said, you got, you should stay in the car. You're, you're going to hurt yourself. Well, and, and your aunt didn't have phone, so we right. had to wait for a cop to come. Yeah. And they came and he said, well, we'll take care of you, right? So he takes us to this tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And it's a cow town. And the cows are in the middle of the street and stuff. And he says, we got a couple of motels. I'll take you to the first one. Muriel, it's like a cowboy you see in the movie. It, the curtains are flying in out the window. <laughs> and it's, you know, and I looked at John and he looked at me and I thought, ah. The one window. It was basically a log house. It yeah. Was a one room log house with one window. Oh my goodness. It didn't have any electricity in it. I don't know where, I don't think there was a bathroom in there. No. Happy honeymoon. We, I went in there and I came back out. I said, this is not gonna work. We gotta go to the other one. He was discouraging us. The other one was new on the whole, right across the street from the only restaurant in town. Yeah. Did you switch? Did you switch over to the other place? We went to the new one. We never yeah. registered at the other one. He just showed us the room. And we, I think no, maybe he owned that or something. <laughs> maybe. So then we got a plane out to go home because we our car we couldn't drive it at all. So we had a new. Did you have to just leave your car there? Yeah. Yeah. There was wow. a, there was a body shop there, and he, he gave us an estimate on the car, and the insurance company said okay. So. Wow. We fixed it, then I had to go back out there and get it. And you went back out to get it yeah. after it was done? Yeah. And you flew home? We flew home. What was it like flying on airplanes those days? Oh, that was different. There oh. was an airline called North Central Airlines, and they had the old army planes, the ones that yeah. you call them tail draggers. They sit like this. Tail draggers, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so you, you walk, when you get in those planes, you get in and you walk up a steep incline and all of a sudden they're landing we landed in a cornfield no way they had a strip right in the middle yeah. of the cornfield and it just, just an enough for that in south to, dakota yeah <laughs> and we stopped and we picked some people up and then when we landed at myrtle um that i think that was in a cornfield around there too it was and how many people do you think were on this plane with you? Probably 25 or 30. That's quite a few. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was, well now my ears are clogged too, but noisy, oh it was so loud. Mm-hmm. And here we're supposed to be on this nice honeymoon. Yes, your nice romantic honeymoon. Look at the good, look at the Lord has been good to us, you know. Yeah. yeah. And we had, so then we got home and no car. Right. You know, and everybody only had one car. <laughs> so we had to go through all that and it worked out. Well, my boss let me use his motor scooter. <laughs> then he sold that, but he got a motorcycle so I could use that too. <laughs> and then you went out and got the car, the yeah. repaired yeah, car? Yeah, well, wow. I, I was going to hitchhike out. 
You hitchhiked to South Dakota? Oh, yes, I, I, I hitchhiked all over the country in the Army. I, I wow. Yeah, I like hitchhiking. You meet a lot of interesting people. I bet you did. Today, I wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> right. <gasps> oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, you hitchhiked all over I promised her sister because our nephew wanted to go with us, with me. So I promised her I wouldn't, we wouldn't hitchhike. So we flew out there. Okay. Yeah, and then the car was ready, and we drove home. Wow. Brand new convertible we just bought. Brand new convertible. It was really neat, too. Yeah. But it worked out. You know, mm -hmm. it just always says somehow or another. Yeah. We got my mom and my sister, and everybody came to the airport, and they said, oh, my God, let's see how you look. Well. I was all black and blue. John was pretty well. Not too much happened. You were okay. But, uh, what a start to your marriage. My goodness. Her mother got a little nervous at the airport because over the speaker they called for a wheelchair at the, one at the dock where we were at. She thought it was for Barb. Yeah. <laughs> so quite a rough start. Uh, but it's a good marriage, and it was very dear watching them remember together. Now, Vina and Marilyn are both widows, and Vina's husband, Fred, died in 2015. So Vina was 77 then, and she was just 15 when they met. So over 60 years together, and Vina's never been with anyone else. And in my eight years around Unity, I've heard a lot of stories about Fred from other people who knew him at Christ the King, but it was really so good to hear from Vina herself about Fred. It doesn't. I just think it never would be the same. No, after it's that. not the same. Like, yeah, it's not. Especially yeah. when you were as close as we were. I mean, yeah. were you close? Oh, yes. I mean, he was the most understand. I mean, he didn't have bad. He made me feel ashamed. Here's how Vina and her husband, Fred, met when she was in high school. They dated through his college years and hers, and then had a great reason for getting married when they did. I have to tell you, I didn't know who he was. In, he was older than I was in high school, but he played basketball, so I just knew him from watching him. But one of my friends, my good friends, was dating him. And uh, we were talking one day, and one of the girls in the group said, Oh, I, you're really dating Fred, he's such a nice guy. And my friend said, he's too nice, I have to break up with him. And what? I didn't even know him. And then later that, that was like in spring, later that summer, we were out at one of these little county fairs. And um, he was there and I just, oh, he, you know, we just talked. Uh -huh. And then a few weeks later, my friend, a different friend, set me up with a blind date with him. I was 15 years old. A blind date. Yeah, and that was it. Wow. And how old were you when you got married? 21. 21, okay. I took so a... you dated for like six years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I took my last final on a Friday. We were finished. We got married on Saturday. No way. Are you serious? Yes. So your last final of high school? No, college. A col last final of college. Right. So it was, next day. Oh, you know why? Oh, wow. You know what really set that? I didn't want to move all my stuff home 
and then move it out again in a short time. That's the greatest reason I've ever heard. I'm so practical. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So tell me about that first date. Do you remember where you went? Yes, I do. We went. We had a beach party down at Doctors Park in Milwaukee. That is an epic first That's date. It's not a very good first date. You know, it's if, a great first. Why is that not a good first date? Well, a parent thinking of a beach party and maybe beer and all that stuff. <laughs> you know. Oh, that's right. I guess you were 15, huh? Yeah, I was only 15. Vina actually had two very practical reasons for marrying Fred. Yeah, we, I lived in Elm Grove. We did not have a high school. So we were bused into Wauwatosa. So I went to Wauwatosa, which is now Wauwatosa East. Okay. And uh, that was another reason I married Fred, because I had to ride that dumb yellow bus. And <laughs> he, no, did he have a car? I couldn't drive. But did Fred, oh, ha- Fred, had, Fred a car, had a car? Yes, because he was at UWM, so he drove. And uh, there were two reasons I married him. One of them was he would pick me up from school and take me home, and I didn't have to didn't ride have the bus. Didn't have to ride the bus. And then when I was in college, I was writing term papers. And I needed to check out periodicals from the main library in Milwaukee. And if you're not right on time with those, you get fined by the hour. By the hour? Yes. I was out in Waukesha, which by then it was long distance to call Milwaukee. I mean, it was long distance to call my parents in Elm Grove. So I racked up a $30 phone bill. I could not admit this to my parents. I didn't have $30. So poor Fred, who worked his way all through college because his dad was killed when he was 12, mm. and money was very precious, he paid my library fine. Wow. So my parents didn't find out so about I it. I didn't know. That is some true love. The yellow bus and the library fine? How could I go wrong? <laughs> He's too nice. This He's was, too nice. I'm breaking up with him. That's right. God, you snatched him up. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, my goodness. It's really fun, though. Vina didn't have any date disaster stories like John and Barb, but she did have a near-disaster story thanks to a fashion-forward purchase she made before she and Fred went out one night. My neighbor, as a kid, took vocal lessons in Chicago, and once in a while I'd ride down the train with her down to Chicago. This was before life was as dangerous as it is now. And I'd, she'd go to the music place to, ooh, and I would go shopping in these little dumpy stores. It was not, it was not, uh, you know, Harrods or anything. And <laughs> Downtown Chicago had little dumpy stores? Yeah, well, it was somewhere in there, yeah. And I bought a pair of what we called Toreador pants then. Where are they? They're just like this length, except, you know, the bullfighters used to wear those. (laughs) And they were called Toreador pants. And I was waiting for Fred to pick me up one night. And I I bought these, put them on. I thought they were kind of cute. I sat down on the piano bench waiting for him. The whole semen back came out. No! Can you imagine if this wouldn't have happened then and on the date? Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> was that a big deal to get pants at that point? Like, were you mostly wearing dresses? No, no, no. I you was never pants. a dress girl. And now we go to Marilyn, 
who was three years older than Vina, and she remembered some big-time controversy over pantsuits that happened in her first job. Pants first came into, well, I guess we wore shorts in the summer, but uh, when I was in my first job, that we were allowed to wear pants suits. And otherwise it was a dress code for all the girls to have dresses on mm -hmm. until the pants suits. And I worked in the shop office, out in the shop, so I got to wear slacks. But the girls in the front office always had to wear dresses and so we had many battles. They wouldn't even talk to us because they wanted to wear pants, which were first coming into style then. And they, they didn't want to wear dresses anymore. Well, we didn't care, you know, so. So you would wear slacks? Yep. Are those kind of like dress pants? Yeah, it was a, a top matching top, like a suit jacket. Okay. With matching trousers. Mm -hmm. And they were considered okay to wear out in the public and to work okay. after they okayed it. Uh, but uh, none of those women in the front office talked to us because we could still wear the pants and they couldn't. Here's Marilyn talking more about that job. Actually, I was married then at that age when this happened. So this had to be, I was married in 53. So, uh, oh, and I worked at Menominee Falls. That was Stoper Industries. Mm, mm -hmm. That's right off of Pilgrim Road and, uh, and 41. It was right nestled in there. It was, and we made cabs for on big pieces of, of, uh, Trucks and stuff like that. We we made cabs. The cabs for like the front yeah. section. Wow. And what was your role? And I worked in the time office. Uh, we give the men their there was piecework there. We punched the clock for them. They would start this job, and when they finished the job, they'd come back. We would punch it again. That that was their their paychecks. So you'd be keeping track of yeah, keeping track of the jobs that they uh -huh. worked on, and all that. Wow. So that's going back a long, long ways. Marilyn is now twice widowed. She was married to her first husband Warren uh, from 1953 until his death in 2002, and in April of this year, 2021, she buried her late in life love Jack Coplin. Both marriages were good, but so very different and during such different times of her life. And they've given her this, this very interesting perspective on life and love and faith. I'll share some of her insights um, a bit further along. But uh, first, I wanted to share what she said about her younger years with Warren, learning to drive, going to dances. Of course, her high school prom, which she attended in a dress that she made herself and which well, that was the night that... Well, I don't want to give it all away. Here's Marilyn. Warren told Warren, my first husband, he taught me to drive. I 
was in high school and we went dancing. And uh, where would you go for dancing? It was this ballroom. I can't remember the name of it, but it was big. It was on Wisconsin Avenue. Eagles. Eagles Ballroom. Eagles Ballroom. Okay. And we went there. We took the bus. We got on the bus and we, we rode over there. A bunch of kids from school. Uh -huh. And we went over there every Saturday night and it was dancing. And this is high school? It's high school. What kind of dancing? Uh, jitterbug. Uh, waltzes and polkas and that's the only kind. Big band. Big band era. This may be a dumb question, but how did you know how to dance? Like, did people take lessons or just teach uh, each other at the dance hall? Yeah. We, yeah, I guess somehow we just learned to dance. <laughs> but anyways, that's how I met my first husband. Of course, he was in service. Uh -huh. And, uh, Oh, there was just, everybody was in service then. And uh, it's just, uh, that was in, golly sake, that had to be right around 50, 1950. Because I started high school in 49. Okay. 49, 50, 51, 52. I graduated in 52. 52. And uh, I must have been in my, in the, my sophomore year, going into my junior. And uh, I must have been at that age. But uh, anyways, Ward would come in. He, were, he was up in Camp McCoy. And he would imagine to get a bus down here so he, so he could see me. And then we usually went up to the Eagles Ballroom and did some dancing. That's what we did. That was our, 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 our lifetime, just dancing. And what would you wear? I suppose I wore a dress. I'm not sure. Do you remember, like, was there a, the coolest dress that you've had over the years? I did a lot of sewing myself. In fact, <clears throat> Warren took me to my senior prom and I made the prom dress. Wow. Well, and I have a picture that of that, that dress. It was a strapless dress and everything. And uh, What color? I think it was blue. <laughs> and uh, I think I had all the crinolines underneath it. That was the big puffy area. And uh, oh, this is really going down memory lane. You made your but, own prom dress. Yep, made my own prom dress. Marilyn, you are so cool. Oh, my oh. So I do have a picture of it someplace in my memories there. Mm -hmm. But uh, after this prom, that was the year we graduated in 52. Warren asked me to marry him. After we had our prom, we come back from our date, and he said, Marilyn, will you marry me? The night of prom? Yep. Oh, my goodness. And uh, 
Did you did you think he was gonna ask? No, I had no idea. I had no idea. And then we were married in fifty three. Graduated in fifty two, married in fifty three. <laughs> and somewhere in there he taught you how to drive. Yep. Yeah. Was that a manual? No, it was automatic. automatic. My dad refused. He said, no way are you driving my car. <laughs> so Ward had a car. And... Uh, oh, do you remember what it was? It was something in the 40s. Okay. Some car in the 40s. Mm-hmm. I think it was green, if I remember right. I can't remember what, what brand, what right. make it was. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, I didn't crunch any fenders up or anything, so uh, I did okay on that. And, uh, wow, this is really down memory lane. <laughs> After this, in my mind, very romantic story, the dances, the dresses, the wedding, I asked Marilyn if Warren was, you know, a hunk. And here's what she had to say. Was he a good-looking guy? Oh, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So, we were all young at one time, but uh, then we had our, then we lived on 92nd Street. We bought that house. Diane was three years old at that time. And we lived there until we moved out to Brookfield. So you kind of just kept moving west. Yep. Marilyn and Warren raised two daughters together, and meanwhile, Marilyn uh, worked at Stoper Industries for 22 years until the plant closed down and then eventually ended up at a packaging firm. And this part will really blow your mind. It wasn't until she was 70 years old that she had her first ever beer, though it was not her last. Here's how that went. It all started with a work party. Let's see. What else did you want to ask? Oh, did you smoke? Never. Really? Did everyone around you was smoking, right? Did oh, yeah. Everybody around me was smoking, but I wasn't Why didn't interested. you? I don't know. It just did something I didn't want to do. Okay. So I was never interested. Everybody else smoked but me. And what would you do when everyone went on a smoke break? Yeah. So talked. Tang. Okay. At 18, though, we were allowed to drink. Right. So, uh... I might, I might have had a glass of wine or, mm-hmm. or a cocktail, but I never drank beer. Oh, I gotta tell you the story about me. me and my first beer. I worked out uh, after I worked at Stoper Industries. The place closed. And I, I actually worked there about. 22 years. Wow. And then the place closed down. And anyways, that location closed down. And then I got another job at a small packaging firm. They were just looking for a secretary. And and uh, I went over and I applied for that. And they employed me. It was called Packaging Sales. Well, uh, the original owner had passed away and it had moved down to the owner's wife's son bought it. 
and it was either boss's day or it was his birthday because actually we employed quite a few people. We must have had four or five office positions. We had a couple salesmen on the road. But anyways, lunch hour, bosses and lunch on me. So we got pizzas nice. and everybody had Coors beer and a bottle of beer that it was open and set in front of me. And I looked at that beer and everybody by this time would now have it. They've had their second beer <laughs> and they were all having a good time. And here I'm looking at this beer and I said, no, everybody's, I'm thinking this, everybody's having a good time, Marilyn. You've got to try this beer. So I reluctantly just picked it up. Did I smelt it? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I set it down again. And I guess probably another 10 minutes went by and I thought, this is ridiculous. Marilyn, you've got to drink this beer and I, it'll be okay. <laughs> so I held my breath and I took a big swig of this beer. Oh, it isn't bad at all. And I downed this whole beer. I had my first whole bottle of beer in my life. No way. How old were you? Ish? Age 70. Age 70. Remember I said I worked till I was 75. You didn't have a beer until oh, you were yeah, 70? A whole bottle of beer. I mean, I have sips. Yeah. You know, it didn't, you know, it didn't grab me. You know, I have little sips of beer, but never a whole bottle of beer. And I said, you know, this is my first beer I've had, and I'm going to be 70 years old. Okay, first up. Okay, 80, Jack and I were dating. We're go where we're married, we're married already. And uh, we were at Sluggo's and we're having a pizza. I said, I'm gonna have a beer, making a Corona. I'm gonna have a Corona beer. I said, okay, I'll have one too, he said. And it went down and I said, you know, I enjoyed this so much. I'm gonna, is it all right if I have another one? Will you just go right ahead? So two beers coming up, age 80. <laughs> I had two whole beers, and I haven't had one since. <laughs> you have not had a whole beer since 80? Not even oh, since. Oh, you are so funny. So, the, so my kids are waiting for 90 to come around. They'll see are you going to have three beers for 90? <laughs> I'll be under the table. Oh, girlfriend, that's so great. So that's so funny. Now this surprised me, because one of my favorite things about Marilyn has always been how delightfully up for things she is, including new things. And so I just had imagined that would have included, you know, the party scene. But here's what she said. So I know this is interesting, you know, when you're talking about polio and even, you know, with beer and driving, I never thought of you as like a, a worrier. It sounds like you've been kind of a, like a, would you have said you're kind of a play it safe? Kind of well, a play it safe girl? I'm always thinking, you know, Probably more so than I should. But uh, well, I would sort of say I'm sort of a worrier. But and I'm like, still here, so yeah. still doing okay. And like kind of a rule follower? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't think of stepping out of bounds, no. 
interesting. Everything's pretty much by the book. Vina also said she had been a rule follower, at least when it came to language. We started with her grandfather's creative alternatives to swear words, and this led to a whole conversation about socially illicit behaviors and what women could and couldn't do back then. He was quite the man. Mm -hmm. But my dad always says, you knew when Pa was bad, because he'd say, Judas Priest. <laughs> he never swore. You know, it was Judas Priest. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, Did yeah. you cuss when you were growing up? Pardon? Did you cuss? Did Me? You? Yeah. Are you kidding? In my family? I would have been shoveling coal in the furnace down there. Pretty strict. Yeah. No. In fact, I remember one day my sister, I still remember where we were standing in the kitchen. My sister, who was older than I was, said something and she used the word sex. My dad looked at me, what did you say, Carol Marie? That is not something we discuss in this house. My grandpa smoked a pipe, mm -hmm. but, and my mother smoked, and when we'd stay in the big house, they have a big farmhouse, and it had a threshers. It had six bedrooms for where the threshers would stay. And then upstairs there was a big main bedroom. My mother used to, because she smoked, used to sit at the windowsill and blow smoke out the window <laughs> because women weren't supposed to smoke. Wow, so she was rebellious in this. Oh, regard. yes, she was. And little things like that kept her going. Now, John Purnell, whom I first got to know when he invited me to join him in Barb for a traditional lutefisk dinner, uh, he's always seemed like a pretty even-keeled, very soft-spoken man. And he did not share any stories of outright shenanigans, but he and, well, Barb, really, did mention this. He raised five kids. Yeah. They had no food. Um, well, we had food, but He could really have, tell you stories. At Christmas time, we got one present. That was it. Mm -hmm. And more, normally on birthdays, we didn't get a present. We didn't have parties. Yeah. You're back. Um, but we had a good time. You got into trouble. You got into lots of trouble. You got into a lot of trouble? The good Lord really blessed us because, yeah. you know, we gave him John and we worked together and his mom got to see us get married. Yeah. You know, which was nice. And yeah, how long did your mom live? Not, Not really, really very long. Uh, she, she was born in 1905, and she died in 1969. Wow. 64. Pretty young. Yeah. A lot happens in a life, hey? Nancy, our administrator, she's got a plaque up in her office that says, Never regret growing old. It is a privilege denied to many. I think about that sometimes, and listening to these three share their stories so many ups, so many downs throughout the years. Lots of joy and fun and lots of loss too. And we talk a lot these days about how divisive and segregated our world is becoming. And it's true. And it's true that people are kind of retreating into their own echo chambers. But usually when we talk about that, we're thinking about like politics or income or race or religion. Uh, but Culturally, in the U.S., we are also spending less time with people of different ages than us. 
Never before in history have the generations intermingled so sparingly. And actually, church is one of the few remaining places where different generations still do rub up shoulder to shoulder. For sure, there are some things we can only learn through personal experience, but our entire faith is built on the premise that we can and should learn from the generations that came before us. So that's kind of the spirit of this podcast. And in next week's third and final segment in this series, John, Vina, and Marilyn will share what they remember from big moments in history, like the day Kennedy was shot, school integration, strikes and recessions, and the big moments from their own lives, losing jobs, losing spouses, finding new love, watching grandchildren grow up, reconnecting with what family is left to them. They three have very different stories, but they actually each had remarkably similar advice to us, their listeners. So we'll share that and more next week on Belief Beat. To close, one last story. I've been going on and on about how we should learn from previous generations. Well, here is a counterexample of when previous generations are not super helpful and how they choose to pass their wisdom on. This is Vina on Learning How to Drive. When I was 15, we, we had a, a home on Green Lake, and we had a long road you had to go in, so my mother let me drive in that road. And um, then when I was 16, my dad, but my dad was smart, too smart, and he told me one day my mother nearly died when she heard about it. When you pr- now you press the accelerator to go, right? You know what the accelerator does in the engine? It opens the valve so the gasoline can go. So my dad would say, now Vinalu, open the valve so the gasoline can flow in and we can drive. I don't know about any valve. Instead of like, push down the accelerator. <laughs> so my mom said, you know Tex, that's the last time you're gonna try to teach her to drive. So what kind, what kind of car was it? You know, I think it was a Studebaker, a blue one. Manual? Oh, yeah, I learned manual. Yeah. And I'm glad I do know it, you know. Mm-hmm. When did you learn automatic? Well, that you don't learn, you just That's do. That's true. You know, true. yeah. But, yeah, it was crazy. But it was, they were good days, I will say that. That was a very happy childhood. You don't learn automatic, you just do it. Maybe that's true for life too, hey? Thank you to Vina, Marilyn, John, and Barb for their stories. Thanks to you for joining us. We will catch you next week on Belief Beat.